The Museum of Teaching and Learning welcomes you to another episode of our series, Teaching in Times of COVID, stories dedicated to the experience of education in public, private, and home teaching settings. I'm Denise Steedman, your host. Today, we're joined by Janine Jacobs, Children's Services and Director at a library in Orange County. Janine, welcome. Thank you. So, my first question, did you always want to be a librarian? Well, actually, no. I planned on being a teacher originally. Then I got a job working in the library when I was going to college, and I fell in love with the children's library, and that was the path I took. I'm sure that it's a really long list, but could you tell us about your responsibilities at a children's, as a children's library director, and what is your mission? My uh, overall responsibility is, is to oversee the running of the children's library. That works for everything from managing the budget to seeing, overseeing outreach, programming, uh, collection development, kind of everything that it takes to uh, keep the library going. I'm kind of overseeing it. Um, our mission is the mission of the library. Let me give you our mission statement is to serve the diverse needs of our patrons, fostering learning, providing resources, inspire creative thinking, and bring the community together. Now beyond that, we have our own kind of personal missions or children's missions, and we wanna make sure this place is welcoming to all children, that children want to come here and view it as a, as a place they can come and be safe. We want to inspire love of learning, young children reading, to, because we all know reading is an important skill, develop recreational reading, and um, we provide information, promote literacy. We also support the schools and try to uh, keep everybody, uh, have, have materials on most every topic that a child would be interested in at a child's level. Let's talk about the shutdown. Um, how were you notified that the city was going to close the library on March 13th? Well, we actually could see things were coming, and we began to uh, start sort of planning a little bit, but it actually was all very sudden. We got a message from the uh, city manager and uh, were notified. Uh, we came to work on Monday the 16th, and we were notified the library is closing. You're not opening today. Of course, at that point, we all thought it was going to be closed for a little while, not really realizing that it would be over a year before we were able to let people back in our building. So that was, uh, that seems to be universal, that everyone thought this would only be a couple of weeks, maybe a month, and that uh, we would be up and running again. So that was, so how did you navigate that shutdown? How did you notify the staff and the community? Well, our notification, we immediately posted it on our, on our website, posted it on social media. We emailed staff. Um, we, we also posted signs on the exterior of the building. We uh, answered, got a lot of phone calls, and they answered, had, had manned the phone lines to answer phone calls and questions about that. Um, we had, at that point, uh, classes and groups and all sorts of things coming to the library. So we had to immediately contact, call the contacts for the meetings, and we did a lot of our notification via email, and uh, 
got the word out. It, was, it wasn't easy, but of course everybody was kind of aware of what was going on around them, so that was not unexpected. Um, let's talk about in between that time uh, of the shutdown and when it became apparent that it was going to be longer than that. We know that uh, you just explained the programs that you have, your, your mission statement, what you provide for the community. Can you tell us specifically what programs were affected? What was a full stop and uh, how did you... How did you handle that? Well, initially, basically everything was a full stop. No classes groups coming into the library. We here did, a, we had a story hours and programs for kids almost every day of the week, uh, Monday through Thursday. Fridays we had classes coming in often. So we just had to sh shut it all down and then we realize this is going to last, so how we, we want our community, the children, the little ones especially, they need the stories, they need story hour, they need the finger plays. So how were we going to do that? Children need the books. They need to get their hands on the books. They need to have things to read. How are we going to do that? How are we going to get it to them? And our first um, programming-wise, we started filming um, videos, and we filmed uh, videos for the the baby and toddler. We filmed, uh, we created a program called Little Spoonfuls, which were basically doing uh, finger rhymes, things like that, baby bounces, that type of stuff. We decided to do individual little segments, so that way a, a person in their home, a family, could. Um, put on as many or as few as they wanted. They could go back and go over it. The librarian that does this sort of did the, that in sort of a how-to with the parents, the idea of the parents being able to, to, to do it with their, their children because it's very interactive. Preschool story time, the uh, librarian that did that, did that would record one book a week. For the older kids, um, we had a program called Read with the Dogs. And after the shutdown was um, going for a while, we, we kind of heard from a, a few of our families, I think, that some of the kids were a little bit worried about the dogs and, uh, you know, all the things they're worried about, but they don't really need to worry about the dogs. So we reached out to the, um, the therapy dog group, and uh, they graciously have, and are continuing, actually, to uh, the handlers record instead of the children reading to the dogs they record the handlers reading to the dogs so they can see some of the dogs uh, and we put up a new story every other week the um, read with the dogs program initially the videos we would read and then they'd pause and have a few minutes for the kids so we'd invite the kids to grab a book and and go and and uh, come and read but uh, we realized after kind of our tech guy realized that they're not, they, they were shutting off at that point. They weren't staying in reading. So we just went to just um, reading to a story to the dogs. Then we also, for the older, actually families, older kids, we did a puppet story every week. We either filmed a story with puppets or we filmed a puppet show. Put that up every week as well. So that's what we did with that. Schools was a little more challenging. Um, we, as, as the time went on, 
we were able to do, um, we did a homeschool, school district's homeschool academy via Zoom. Um, we did a private school and, uh, via Zoom uh, type of a, a reading and story program. We actually just last week did uh, Read Across America reading stories via Zoom. So we, we utilized Zoom for some of the uh, interactive outreach type things. And uh, then some of, the, some of the programs, like Lego Day, just had to go by the wayside. And uh, we haven't done movies or Lego Day for a while. Did I catch, answer your question? Yes, yes, that was great, thank you. Mm -hmm. um, now, had you done videos before, or was that new technology for you? Did you have to learn how to do that, or, or was that something that was easy to transition to? We had, um, we have a video librarian, and we had filmed a few things. We, we did not do weekly uh, filming, and uh, Previous, just because I happen to be the person doing the storytelling and puppet shows, um, some of the stuff, I, I've had some experience uh, being filmed. We also had previously, uh, occasionally had the uh, video library, and it would be, he'd film some of our programs, and we'd post those. So we, we had limited experience, but not, not a every week come up with something um, quite like we were doing. So that had to be ramped up. And, a lot, and really, yeah. Yes. And, and how did the community know where to look for these videos? Well, we, um, we put them on our social media, and so people looking at social media, they were ready to go. We, we actually linked it directly from Instagram and put them on our YouTube channel, so people found them that way. We also um, stayed in close contact with the school district and we were able to send out the word, we sent out the word every way we could think of, including going through the school district. Speaking of the school district too, well, uh, we, we had reached out, they we reached out to them in a lot of ways and they've been great to collaborate with us because we have a pretty good connection going. And one of the things we were able to do is just before we, we closed, or I'm sorry, just before we started Summer Reading Club, um, the, while the schools were still doing that where kids would come by the school and they were feeding the kids in the school, we were able to, um, thanks to the, our friends of the library, able to gather boxes of books and send them to the Title I schools so the children that we, they handed them out at the schools, a, a volunteer group, I think a church-based volunteer group also, handed a book to all the kids that came to get uh, food, pick up food, the families. So they had at least a book or two to begin the summer with. Yes. And there is a library newsletter that goes out right. online as well. So the community could could see that what's happening with the children's program. Right. And of course, it's well. on our web page as well. Right. So that was a quick change to upload all of that and redesign that, get that out. It was. All of that. Yeah. A big, big lesson. Uh, a big transition to that. Uh, speaking of transitions, and you just mentioned it, uh, let's say school is over, 2020, the summer reading program, which is very, very popular here in the city, and a big program uh, for the library of which you are in charge of, children's summer reading program. There are others, there's a teen and an adult one as right. well but this has a, a large population for families and children to come to the library. So let's talk about how you 
handled the summer reading program last year? Yeah, it, it was a, a big challenge. We, two years ago, transitioned to a, um, a program called Reading Squared, Read Squared, excuse me, and uh, we had at our summer reading club, we started having people could do an online version uh, two years ago. Then, then the year after that, we, in the beginning, it was just people kind of trying it out. Then the year after that, we tried to encourage more and more people to use it. So that was fortuitous because then we had a base of people that kind of knew how to do it and were comfortable doing it. Last year, we went 100% online. They had to do it totally online. Now, one of the things that's popular in our area in a, with our reading club are prizes, which the Friends of the Library um, provide the, the funds to, to purchase the prizes. So we were, we'd already started purchasing the prizes and stuff before, boom, we were shut down. We'd already gotten some of the game, the logs and stuff like that. And we knew that the kids uh, enjoyed the prizes. They used to kind of earn funny money and shop for the prizes, and that was obviously not going to happen because they couldn't come in the building. So along the way, we started what was called curbside pickup, where people would call request or they would um, email us requests. So what we came up with was we bagged the prizes and gave out at certain points in the game sheet they would get a prize, and um, we would hand out the prizes through curbside pickup. So we, we, we were able to get prizes to the kids and we were able to keep them reading. The other thing we did um, is we also have ebooks through, um, on our website there's a thing called Tumble Books that's uh, streaming, but we also have Overdrive, which is um, where they check out the books. And so a lot of the, uh, we, we kind of beefed up the ebooks and um, allowed that, them to read that. Past years, we've always kind of wanted to get the kids to use our library books, so we sort of had, we had rules that said we want you to read Fullerton library books. Well, we suspended that rule. We just stopped with, we want you to read. And so whatever, and our reading club is based on time spent reading. So whatever they could find to read counted. You know, I mean, technically if they read the cereal box and kept track of the time, that would count. So, and also it's not just reading because we take in the little ones too. So it's being read too. And um, we also, if they listen to an audio book, we, we count that. So anything we can do to encourage and connect it to, to reading mm -hmm. or listening to being read to. So it's all about the reading it and, is. and enhancing vocabulary and the consistency of participating. So you have uh, statistics that you probably keep. And our next question is about attendance. How do you track that and, and how do you feel that that, that went? last year did you find that curbside pickup became popular that that was well attended or can you track your zoom meetings etc how do you how do you talk about that well our, our attendance took a great hit a big yes. hit because they couldn't come in um, we do track the the again the uh, our video librarian they he does track how many hits to our our websites and, and viewing and um, everything you know, I, according to to our, our video librarian, actually our, our um, videos were getting uh, 
he felt more views than some of the other libraries' views and stuff. So we, we actually did pretty good uh, in the realm of people viewing and lots of people viewing, watching Instagram was actually where most people connected from. And uh, so from that perspective, it was good. But if you relate it to our how many children and how many people came to the story hours and walk, came through our doors and groups visited, the numbers the numbers were down. The attendance was way down. So, well, and it takes the community a while to ramp up uh, learning how to use curbside service and all of that. But you opened uh, reading up to children to be whatever they could read. And so. actually, most of our curbside. Um, most of the requests were children's materials. As, as a matter of fact, one of the we had a couple of ways people could do curbside. One uh, was they, they could make a request through the library. They're, we started out with them calling it in, then we switched to them using our re reserve system. When they use our reserve system every day, we create what we call a pull list, which is a list of titles to grab for the people. And our pull list, um, the beginning of each week, was um, usually about the children, just the children's. The adult was probably a couple of pages, but ours was 14 pages long. There are 40 titles on it, 42, I think, on a page. So that's like over 560 books requested uh, a day. So we were still doing business. It was keeping us busy pulling all the, the books. And, and uh, then we also would get requests for what I think the patrons may have dubbed it this. They'd call and ask for a grab bag. And a grab bag would be, they would uh, say, I, I want, uh, I have a four-year-old that really likes trains and cars and stuff. Can you gather some books? So we would gather books. Or I have a third grader or that, that likes to read um, nonfiction or things like that. So they tell us their child and their likes, and then we'd pull together um, books for the, for the children. We actually also had, um, we're getting some adult requests. We have one lady that was reading to her mother. Uh, her mother's in a facility, and uh, we would gather books uh, for her with big pictures and stuff, and she'd read through the window to her mother yeah. and things. So we, we, we were pulling a lot of books. So that's a little bit of a boutique uh, service right, for, exactly. for your uh, families and, and readers. Um, now, you're part of a state association, and it, can you talk a little bit about your relationship with them, uh, what their uh, guidance was for libraries, how they interacted with you, or did you reach out to them? The, how, how does that work, especially well, during the shutdown? There, there actually are kind of two things. One is uh, our library is part of, of the Santiago Library System, which is just a regional library system. And uh, we, we uh, are in constant communications. We were sending emails and, and comparing notes and what are you doing, how are you doing this, how are you doing that. And so we were in all of the, I was in contact with all of the, pretty much all the children's managers or librarians in, all, in the libraries in Orange County. But the state stepped up. They um, posted a lot of resources and, and uh, they gave us some more money for uh, digital, uh, purchase more digital books, and they had various programs uh, available that, that uh, we took advantage of. One of the things that was the most helpful for me is 
as you've mentioned, the Summer Reading Club is pretty much a pretty big deal. And it's done in pretty much every library, probably across the nation, definitely in California. So the State Library would have a Zoom uh, meeting um, about once a month to go over ideas and sort of what's going on, how, you know, and it was just a great sharing of ideas and um, talking about what's working in one community, what they're planning on doing. There were a, a, lot of, a lot of things, a lot of libraries have programs, and of course they couldn't do the programs, and so there was discussion of do we do it ourselves by Zoom, how, how, are, how are those handled, and, and are you gonna give away prizes, how are you gonna do that? All right, all right, what are you doing, you know? So it was a great um, sharing of ideas, and it was very beneficial because I think I'd, I, to my staff, we, we watched it, we participated several times, and a time didn't go by that there wasn't, oh, well, there's something to think about. Oh, there's an idea we might be able to use. So it was like a, imagine a huge collaboration with libraries all over the state. Some of them are little tiny libraries serving a tiny community. Los Angeles Public Library was there, everybody. So and so that, that was a, for me, that was a big help. A good resource for, Absolutely. and just sharing right. what it's your experience while you're going through this. Yes, I've, I've had that problem, or no, here's an idea, here's how we handled it. Right. So that, that's really a great resource. And the, the web, their website had a lot of um, things on dealing with COVID and things like that. So the health issue, uh, they provided guidance for that as well? Again, it was, yeah, ideas and things, because every municipality was slightly different because we're, we're driven by uh, our county um, department, health department, and of course the city's rules and, and what they say. And so, yeah, they, they put up some general guidelines. One of the things is um, there is a lot of discussion about um, when books come back, we had to quarantine them, and there's been discussion about how much time they're quarantined, and they actually had uh, machines were developed that you could put a few books in and, and sanitize them. But our, our volume was too high to, uh, it, would, it would take us a long time, because I think you only could put like five or so books in, maybe more than that. But anyway, so we, we had to quarantine our books, and there was a lot of discussion of that. And of course, again, we're talking to our local, our other local librarians, what they're doing. And so we, we support each other. Mm -hmm. And collaboration within the library, because circulation is in charge of, of quarantine and how that went, when you're going to get your collection back, et cetera. Right. Yeah. So that was uh, something to be explored exactly. and worked on. Now, we're in 2021, and so how did your staff prepare for the reopening? Uh, as we move through tiers, as all the counties in California have done? Well, uh, reopening has been, um, it had, it's presented some challenges. One of the things is it was determined um, that I think we're probably fairly typical. We opened with what we call grab and go, which means people come in, select their books, check out, and leave, basically. So we, we couldn't have them they didn't want people lingering in the building, so we had to pull all the chairs out. We had to, we, we don't want them. The children can't play on the computers, so we, we had to take away all of the uh, keyboards and things. So we just physically kind of rearranged things to um, 
with no chairs and things like that. Finding a place to store all the chairs and things is a bit challenging. So we had to do the physical setup. We had to put the floor decals down for how where you stand. We had to bring in um, plexiglass barriers. We, in the children's area, added a table in front of those because we knew the kids would be too close to the, come up to the glass so to keep that social distancing. So a lot of it was figuring out how we're going to handle that kind of thing. One of the things that happened here was when we shut down a year ago, March, um, people, we, we didn't have the books due for a while, but then people started returning the books. And of course, public libraries business is loaning out the books. So we had to deal with um, where to put the books. And because we were doing pretty big business on curbside pickup, we had to um, set up tables all over the children's library and um, we kept the books in strict alphabetical order so we could grab the books, fill their curbside requests faster. So one of the other things we had to do was we, we still didn't have all the shelf space so we had to rearrange what we'd already rearranged a little bit to keep it safe for when the children are, are in the building and um, kind of replan how to do that. So that uh, the attendance has uh, moved up a little bit as the tiers Actually, have come down. So do you find yeah. that you have just really good attendance? Our attendance is, is it's every, I'm sure every week we have more people than the week before. and. Uh, if you're in our in our building, where the tables were full of overflowing children's books, we've emptied. Uh, I think we put away one table, but the the numbers of books sitting on tables is getting less and less. We're getting ready. In California, the governor said June 15th, and it seems to be that's holding to that. They're going to open up things even further, so we're getting ready to do um, a story time, preschool story time, for three to six year olds. We're hoping that the week of June 15th will be able to um, hold it in our Osborne Auditorium. And it'll be different. It'll, we'll have uh, carpet squares and we'll have uh, family. We'll, we'll have to limit the number of people that can attend. We'll use that first come first serve ticketing system. And they'll have to sit on, a, the families will have to gather on a, on a, in a little um, station there with a, we'll put a floor square down and then they can each sit in the square to make sure that they're socially distanced and everybody all the kids will uh, be have to wear masks and stuff but we're excited because we're going to do it now we always did crafts every week in the summer and we can't have them doing crafts um, together because they'd be too close together so we are preparing and uh, craft kits and we'll end our story time with giving them craft kits as it's always with COVID, you have to have a backup plan. So our backup plan is if we aren't able to bring the people into the building and sit them in the room. It's a, the Osborne Auditorium is a pretty big room, so we can hold quite a few families. If we can't do that, then we will go, go back to doing a, a record it, and they can watch it uh, digitally. And then we'll um, hand out the craft kits until such a time that they can actually come into the library. So this will be June 15th uh, summer reading program? Actually, June 1st, we're starting the reading okay. program. 15th, we would start the um, story hour in the library. Also, we can't, we're not going to do the um, older kids. In the past, we've had a, like a story time, a program um, 
in, for the older kids. We aren't able to do that this because, again, they're too close together. They kind of gather around a table doing science activities, things like that. So starting the week of June 15th also, we'll hand out uh, STEM kits to the, to the, to the kids in, in grades 1 to 4 so they can take those home. And we, we kind of figure the, they come pick up a, a craft kit for the little one and a STEM kit for their older kids and stuff. So we're, we're, it's a step toward getting back to normalcy. A, a little bit of a modification, but still providing that, right. that program for your families here. I'm sure they'll be thrilled to come back to the library. That's really important. Have you uh, needed to uh, work on your collection? Did you find that you, during this time, you had plenty of books, or did you have to order more? How are you handling that, that we, transition, that change? We are a good-sized library, so we have a lot of books, and, and everything's coming back. But the thing with the public library is publishers are always publishing things. Things are being updated, and you don't want to... There's a lot of series, children's books. Children enjoy reading series, so we had to keep up with the newest uh, book in the series. So we continued to order the whole time. Um, an interesting thing that happened, though, is even though we were ordering, um, the publishers themselves, um, because of COVID, were not uh, producing as many books and things. So we were finding that, uh, we found that quite a few of our orders have been canceled. And so we have to go back and reorder. So. The volume, uh, the expenditure of our book budget has been a little more challenging because we thought we had expended it, but then it was canceled. So one of the things that um, we will be doing is, again, one of the things we did was we, we changed, kind of moved some of the, mon the funds to overdrive, and we've, we've purchased more. Um, overdrive is the uh, e-books and audio books, and we've purchased more of those. And I think this year... Um, with the money that some of the monies that didn't get expended will probably do a, a big jump in in more overdrive. The good part is that those books will and audiobooks will be here, and that'll increase the size of the collection, even even after COVID's over with. And I think one of the side effects of this is people have discovered our audiobooks and our e-books, e and and they've started using them more, and. Uh, the other thing is we sort of changed the, the our local school district has a um, we have an agreement with them there's a the overdrive company has a it's called Sora for that works through the schools that allows the students in the school district to utilize our um, ebook collection uh, via using their own um, numbers so they don't have to have a, a library card that allows the um, the school district can can limit the access to just the children's books because uh, Overdrive has adult as well as children's books, and uh, so they're they're utilizing uh, Sora. And so knowing that, we expanded um, a little bit of what the types of things we have on, on the ebook collection. One of the things that we didn't really invest too much in before is there's a lot of kind of activity books, craft books things like that, that we, we tended to purchase in Overdrive stories to read, some nonfiction. Well, we increased the number of nonfiction things, and we also uh, increased, we also purchased quite a few of the activity type of books 
we were looking at, and we actually tried to purchase from publishers books so people had things they could do at home using th the items that they would have around the house, craft ideas and, and STEM ideas and things like that. Do you see yourself returning to the classroom? I know that you have done uh, some outreach to the schools uh, with this fall uh, semester coming up. Do you see that happening? Is that something that might go by the wayside or be modified? I, I, think, I think it will probably um, be modified some, but I think um, we, will, we will go back. We, we, our, part of our mission is, is kind of working with the districts and filling where there's a need, trying to fill that need. And I think um, if the need's still there, we'll do the best we can. One of the unfortunate effects of um, COVID was that uh, as a city, municipalities lost uh, income. And due to the effects of the lost income, they've downsized the library staff. So the ability to go out to outreach Will be a little more, will be more challenging because we have quite a bit less staff. But will we go back to the school if they ask us? We will go. We'll figure out a way to get there because we're there to support the kids and the families. And yeah. I'm sure the teachers appreciate that, and we, the schools do very much. Um, what kinds of changes that you've made because of the pandemic that you think you'll just continue and bring those forward? What kind of permanent changes do you think you might adapt because they've worked well? Well, I think, um, the, as I said, the, the, over, uh, moving the collection a little more, the funds to overdrive, that'll continue, I think, the e-books, because I think they're going to continue to be used. Um, I think we, one of the things we, we did was we previously did not have our, our, all of our picture books in, in strict alphabetical order. So we, we did that, to again, for the curbside pickup. And we're going to try to continue it. It makes it easier for people to find books, but it's a little hard to do because the little people aren't real good about not reshelving the books themselves. And oftentimes when they do, it's in the wrong place. We'll see how that goes, but that we'll, we'll try to continue. Obviously, learning the use of Zoom. And I think we'll probably have times when we'll, we'll do Zoom things, and I think we'll hopefully uh, continue to probably post a, some probably more. One of, the, one of the things we did was our family nights. Um, we still, every year we did a couple of family nights. Um, and we, we, we still did those, um, but we did it all digitally. And then the, again, we had crafts and the kids came and picked up the craft kits. And, and uh, those were a lot of fun. So I suspect we'll probably be doing more um, videos and things like that going forward and the families may be better trained with that they know how to use zoom and uh, it, the convenience of that maybe in the evening or after work would be valuable to them and as far as the summer reading club goes i think we were although the numbers weren't as high as a normal summer they were high enough that i think we will continue uh as in fact this summer we'll continue doing the reading club online uh this summer they we will um People will encourage them to do it online. If they aren't able to do it online, they can come into the library and we will um, assist them with a paper version of it and then just record their stuff for them online. But we really are uh, 
it really moving toward that online uh, summer reading club because it, it works really well. They can do it on their there's an app on their phone, and so it's pretty easy to record the the time the kids spend reading, right. and and uh, so that will probably continue. And and the things that I think the company's adding more things that they can do, and will probably take advantage mm-hmm. of some of those as as we move forward. In our last minute here, our our time is almost up. Let me ask you one final question, Janine. What are you most proud of? I would say probably I'm most proud of the fact that because um, service to our, our community is big for us. We're really into the families and the community. So I think I'm most proud of it that we, that we made it. We met the challenge. We provided services and that um, we survived. We survived the challenge that COVID presented to us. And uh, the whole staff came together from this every department had to work very closely together and uh, I think our staff is very strongly bonded together now and I think so I I guess that's what I'm most proud of how well we came through and how how much we were able to do for our community knowing that as this as things get better for and COVID decreases that we are going to add more things back and move together and be even stronger. Janine Jacobs, thank you so much. We appreciate your time today. And thank you. Please visit our website, www.modal.org. That's M-O-T-A-L dot org to learn more about our exhibits, events, artifact collection, and more. Also, find us on Modal's YouTube channel, Facebook, and Instagram. Museum of Teaching and Learning. We educate people about education. Teaching in the Times of COVID is brought to you by the Museum of Teaching and Learning and is the sole owner of its content.